This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We're in Genesis chapter 31, and we're ending up the chapter. We're going to be moving in chapter 32 next week. Here on this Bible study, we're at Wednesday before Thanksgiving on the podcast. I don't have any idea when it'll be released, but it'll be released, I'm sure, in a year and a half from now. And we're here. We're ready to study Genesis chapter 31, the end where Laban and Jacob part company for really forever. And this is a splitting of company between these two. And uh, it's an important story because remember Laban came chasing after him and he had every intention of taking back everything that Jacob had made and earned and taken. And it was just, it was an effort to control, really, and control of Jacob. And that's what Laban had been doing for years. And so when Jacob decided he was going to go, he didn't tell Laban anything. He just headed out. And so when he headed out, Laban, three or four days, began to chase after him. And they ended up in the mountains. And when Laban, the day before Laban got there, God told Laban, don't do anything. If you do anything, I'm going to handle it. And, and Laban realized that his blessings had come from Jacob's presence and that he didn't have the power to touch him. And let me say this, that's a great story and great understanding when you're studying God's word, that the enemy does not have power over you, that the world does not have authority or power over you. The world can influence your life. The world can cause things to uh, go on around you. But the truth is you're right in the center of God's plan for you. You're right in the middle of what God is doing in your life. And you should know and you should trust and not fear. Know and trust that God's at work and that his plan's at work for you. And you should be in the middle of walking in it. And so it says, and Laban answered and said to Jacob, because Jacob got after him about his accusations against him. These are these daughters are my daughters and they are his daughters. And these children are his children. They are, but they're also Jacob's children. And by the way, the daughters are Jacob's wives in which he'd worked for seven years for. Jacob had a interest in both of them. And obviously we would all say he had a greater interest in both of them. And even in the law of the United States, which is passed down from common law, parents have a fundamental right to their children and to raise their children. And grandparents don't rights to children. They don't. And the reason they don't is because if they did, many of them would uh, try to take the children and raise them themselves. And uh, we see that often, oftentimes. It's a very sad and difficult thing when parents, ha grandparents have to take the children and raise them. And there are many out there that have to do that. And uh, it's a struggle. It's a difficulty because grandparents need to be grandparents and children need to have grandparents. But they need to have grandparents and they need to have parents also. And the understanding that children need to be, it's in the very best interest for children to be raised by parents 
who are doing and working and looking after their best interest is an important and fundamental principle. It's a foundation of society and that grandparents be a part of that by assisting, by helping, by encouraging, by providing, by providing wisdom and understanding and hope. Those, all those things are things that are the wonderful things that grandparents do. And they are greatly expected and they're a beautiful thing. But the best thing is for a father and mother to raise children and so that they can have the fullness of all God's plan for them. And there's just no way to get around that. And so when Laban says, these are my daughters and these are my children, he's right. They are. And he has a really important relationship with them. But the fundamental relationship is the one of husband and father and the one of wife and mother. And those fundamental nuclear relationships, the nucleus of what makes up family and what has made up family for millennia past, thousands of years in the past. Remember, we're reading from this, and it was at least 3,500 years ago, and it happened more than four to 5,000 years ago. And what's going on here is just as relevant and just as pointed and just as important for us today as it was back then. And those truths and those fundamental ways society has been built for millennia past cannot be gotten behind. And just because it may offend somebody or somebody doesn't like it for some reason, doesn't change the fact that is the way things are done and that how is the way things operate at their very best. And I think we need to understand that. And what Laban is saying is, I have an interest in this. And he does have an interest in this. It's just not the primary interest in it. He says, and these flocks, this is my flock, and it's not his flock because he paid wages out. And oftentimes people want to control people with wages. And I do want to, this story has a lot of fundamental issues that we're dealing with as a society ourselves. And one of those issues is the power over your own labor. And when other people want to control your labor, what we used to call slavery, but today we call, we call a governmental regulation. When somebody gets to decide how you, how you spend your labor, and by the way, that is your efforts. That's your work. That's your, what you do with your life. How people decide, and it's called alienation of our labor, which means I take my labor, my work, the essence of who I am, and I give it to somebody else. I alienate it from me, and I give it to somebody else, and then that, this is economic terms, okay? And I give that to them. Then they give back to me compensation for my alienation of labor. And that's what makes me free. That's where, that's the essence of freedom. And really it's been the essence of freedom in our democracy and our economy for the, since the very beginning. And that's what they struggled with when they were writing the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution because there was a group of people in the country who did not have the freedom to alienate their labor. And everyone who was writing the Constitution and who was writing the Declaration of Independence knew that, that was a problem and that problem would going to have to be dealt with at some point in time. And it was. It was dealt within 150 years of then, of that time. It actually was dealt with within 100 years of that time period. Why? Because people are free to alienate their labor. They're free to give of their efforts to others and be compensated, properly compensated for it, and determine what they're going to do with their life. 
That's fundamental to freedom. And by the way, if you don't have the power to alienate your labor, you are a slave, okay? You are being controlled by someone else. And understanding that and understanding when others take from your alienation of your labor, when others come in and say, what you're doing is partially mine, that is theft. And uh, there's just no way to get around it. And I'm talking about fundamental economic, fundamental societal issues. The reason we no longer have kings and serfs is because we realized they said the serfs were free men, but they weren't free because the king decided where they worked and what they did. And the, and the nobleman decided how life was going to be lived. And so they weren't free because their labor was in the control and care of the monarch. And so we broke free of that. We're not going to have that anymore. And let me say, I have the freedom to alienate my labor, and I decide to do what I want to. The first thing I always want to do when I get up is to get dressed. But the second thing I want to do is spend time with you studying God's Word. And I have the freedom to do that. And my payback is an eternal payback. My, my reward is an eternal reward. And I'm going to enjoy being here studying God's Word with you as long as I possibly can. And we're going to study through as much of God's word as we can before either we get to deplatformed or before he comes or until I'm gone. And the older we get, the more gray-headed we get. I don't know when that'll happen. God's got it in his plan. But those flock were not Laban's flock. And the reason they weren't Laban's flock is because he had, he paid Jacob a wage to stay there for six more years and serve him. And so they were his wages. So Laban is asserting rights that he does not have the primary right to. He said, but what can I do this day to these my daughters or to their children whom they have borne? What he's saying is, okay, I've told you my feelings about it, but the truth is I don't really have any rights in the matter. I like that. He realizes that he does not have control over Jacob and his family. And let me say this, the world does not either have control over you. They will try to fear and scare you into controlling you. But the truth is that your kingdom is greater than their kingdom and your kingdom is eternal and theirs is not. He says, now therefore come let us make a covenant, you and I, let it be a witness between you and me. And so he's wanting to make a relationship with him. And now let me say this about all things. Let me say this about all things. So many times we talk about the world and all the issues of the world, and the world has all kinds of issues. But we have to realize that Jesus loves the world. The well, most well-known passage in the New Testament, I don't quote it enough probably, is for God so loved the world, the cosmos, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And so God does love the world. God does not love the world's ways, but God does love the world and God loves the people of this world. And so it is not a bad thing to build relationships in the world. So many Christians want to isolate themselves. They want to build their little compound and they want to separate themselves from everything that's going on in the world. And that's clearly not scriptural. The Bible says be in the world, but not of the world. That means I don't derive my purpose, my direction, I don't alienate my labor. I don't allow my family to be controlled by the world, but I am an influence on the world. I'm in it. I'm operating in it, and I'm like to that world, and I cannot myself from it and expect to have any kind of power or influence over it. You have a responsibility to be the light of the world. Jesus said, you are 
the light of the world. And why would we separate ourselves to the point where we have no power over the world we're living in? We have a duty and responsibility to be power and light and hope to the world we live in. And that means that you need to have relationships with people outside of just the church or outside just your family. There needs to, and children need to be taught how to operate and how to deal with the world. They need to be, they need to be wise and understanding. And they need to be taught how to be powerful and to be life-changing forces in the world they live in. And the only way they can do that is experience it, see it, deal with it, talk to you about it. So many times I had conversations with my daughters when they were growing up about the things that were going on at their school, things that were going on with their kids that they knew, the families that they were associating with and seeing all the time. And those conversations were great conversations because even though they didn't believe some of the things I told them at the moment, it seemed to be all the things that I was saying was going to happen, did happen, and it confirmed that God and his word is true and that everybody else is just wandering around in darkness. And so now they walk in that light because they've seen it. They've been in the middle of all the darkness and seen all the darkness. They've walked through the valley of the shadow of death and they're mature young women who have their eyes wide open to the world they live in. And that what that meant is I put them in a position where they were protected I'm taking care of them, but I'm also showing them how the world is and teaching them how to deal with that and teaching them how to overcome that. And those are important principles to have for young parents, to be a part of doing that. He says, so Jacob took a stone and set it up as a pillar. They're going to build a standing stone. They're going to build a build an altar here. This is a place where they make a covenant and make a relationship. And Jacob's doing it. Notice Jacob's the one that's building the altar. It said, then Jacob said to his brethren, gather stones. And they took stones and made a heap. And they ate there on that heap. And Laban called it Jagar Sahadutha. Easy for me to say. It's almost like he sneezed. And it says, but Jacob called it Gilead. Not, I like Gilead better. It's just easier to say. It really is. I don't think that's even questionable. I think that's just obvious, all right? And so he said he made it into Gilead rather than Sahodotha. And both of them mean meeting place or place of meeting at the heap. It says, and Laban said, this heap is a witness between you and me this day. Therefore, its, its name is Gilead, also Mizpah, because he said, may the Lord watch between you and me when we were absent from one another. And what he's saying is, I'm making this relationship and I'm praying that God will take care of you and he'll also take care of me. Notice he's trying to get, he's trying to continue to get the blessing of, from Jacob. And let me tell you something. The world is blessed by our presence. The world is blessed by our wisdom. The world is blessed by our favor. The world is blessed by our faith and our hope and our life. And what I would say to you in every possible way today, what I would say to you is that you are a source of hope and life to the lost and dying world that's around you. And I have no reason to believe that Laban is a believer because he quite clearly always calls Jacob's God. He always is calling Jacob's God, your God. He's not ever calling him his God. And he's never ever in the Bible presented as someone who trusts in the one true God. And so that being said, he wants this relationship, and he wants the blessings of having that relationship. And you know what? That should not be withheld from him by Jacob, and Jacob doesn't do that. Jacob continues to love him. 
continues to be truth and light. He continues to be who he's supposed to be. And he continued to be favorable to him and work hard for him and be a blessing to him. And if that's the way someone in the world or some institution or some something in the world wants to be with you, you should not you should not shun them and go into your holy huddle and not allow them to experience what comes from a powerful relationship with God and seeing it at work in your life. He says, if you afflict my daughters or if you take other wives beside my daughters, although no man is with us, see, God is witness between you and me. What he's saying is, take care of my daughters, take care of my children, my grandchildren. There ain't nothing wrong with that. That's a good word, I would say. I'd say chapter verse 50 is a powerful word. There ain't nothing wrong with that. He's saying, I want you to take care of my daughters and I want you to take care of my grandchildren. Amen. There ain't nothing wrong with that. That's the way it ought to be. And he's making this covenant so that he can assure that to those that he loves, and boy, that's the case all the time. How many times have I, have I seen grandparents actually brought to the kingdom of God because their daughters or sons and grandchildren grow and come to know Jesus Christ and the grandparents have their eyes open and they figure it out. And all of a sudden their lives are changed because their children and their grandchildren are taught to walk with God. Listen, we change the world we live in and we ought to be doing it. He said, then Laban said to Jacob, here's this heath and here's this pillar and which I have placed between you and me. This heap is a witness, he says, and this pillar is a witness that I will not pass beyond this heap to you and you will not pass beyond this heap and this pillar to me for harm. What he's saying is, this is the place of meeting. This is the place between us. It's really the place between us and the harm. And I'm not going to come past it and harm you. We're not going to go to war at any time with each other. And you're not going to pass it and harm me. And that's really how we're to do, we're to try to live with the world. I don't want to be at war with the world. The war, world is at war with God. The world is at enmity with God. But my job is not to be in the middle of that war. Oftentimes, I find myself in the middle of that battle. I don't want to be, but I want to be the source of grace in it. And what Laban is saying is, I don't want us to go to war with each other. I don't want us to cross over and do each other harm. And there's nothing wrong with that either. And then it says, then God, the God of Abraham, the God of Nahor, and the God of their father judge between us. And Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac, what he that means he he swore by the faith that his father Isaac had in God, and Jacob said, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this covenant with you, and I'm gonna have this relationship with you." And this is this whole story is really a picture of, of that that precarious relationship that we have with the world, and it is a difficult one. It's not an easy one, and uh, it's hard for young believers to really figure out how to do it and do it well. It really is. And really no way to get around that. You just got to experience it and walk in it and learn how to deal with it. He said, then Jacob offered a sacrifice on the mountain and called his brethren to eat bread. Notice there's an atoning sacrifice. There's a fellowship offering in the eating of bread. And they ate bread and stayed all night on the mountain. And early in the morning, Laban arose and he kissed his sons and daughters and blessed them. Then Laban departed and returned to his place. And this is a very sad ending to the story because Laban is, is no longer going to see his grandchildren or his daughters anymore. And it's really a picture 
of a person being lost and never, ever receiving the kingdom because he returns back to the world he's from <clears throat> and he doesn't ever receive the kingdom. Let me say this. It's, I know we're in the podcast down the road. It's liable to be any time of the year where you're hearing this, but the holidays are a great time to give grace and love to family members. They're most of the time a very difficult time to do that. And, and let me say this, during this holiday season, I would encourage you to do your very best to do that. It's not always easy, and I'm tr- trust me, it's not easy for me, but uh, we want to do that and do the very best we can to be hope and light. And let me tell you something, we never want our family members to leave and go back to their country and miss out on knowing Jesus. And that's the last thing you want to see happen in your life. And I would say it's the last thing you really want to see happen in your family members' lives. Death and the pain of this world is too much. And we want to see our come to know the powerful, loving, wonderful relationship we have, we have with Jesus Christ. So during this holiday season, I would say to you, take care of your family. Be grace to them as best you can. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name. 